What's up, coaches? You are tuning in to keep your pads down. And hey, if you love defensive line play, then welcome home. We are your podcast for all things D-line play. So thank you for checking us out today on this first Monday of May 2020, May the 4th to be exact. And I say that, and I know saying that May the 4th is going to get some of you Star Wars nerds all excited, and you're going to want to post on Twitter today, may the 4th be with you, and all that kind of stuff, and wear your Star Wars underwear and stuff around the house today. And if that's you, then just go ahead and shut this thing off right now. Unsubscribe. Don't follow us. Don't check us out because, you know, if, if, if that's if that's what you're doing, then, then it would be better for us if you just didn't uh, – if you didn't listen, because we don't need we don't need your types coming on the podcast, okay? Uh, I don't think I'm talking to any defensive line coaches when I say that. Probably mostly offensive line coaches who still live in their mom's basements. But anyway, uh, I probably stepped on some toes right there, but hey, it needed to be done. Uh, but anyway, sorry to come out the gate like that a little bit, maybe a little salty. Maybe it's because we're seven weeks, going on seven weeks of being quarantined, and I've been in a house with three kids under the age of six. I don't know. Anyway, let's, let's, let's get this thing back on track. Okay, so today is episode number 58 of KYPD, and in today's episode, it is a great one. We're talking with Bridgeland High School defensive line coach Matthew Valmore. Now, before we get to Coach Valmore, I want to do something that that I would hope that maybe this could be a recurring segment on the podcast. You know, sometimes we do different things sort of uh, in the intro uh, leading up to our conversation with our guests that day. And today I want to do something a little different and, and, and talk books. Now, if you're like me, you like to read. And this quarantine, if there's one good thing, there are several good things. One good thing that it has allowed me to do is is read. And, you know, I, I love to read anytime I get a chance. And I like to read hard copy books and also listen to them on my phone while I'm working around the house or hiding from my kids or something like that. So for the next couple of minutes, I'll take some time and kind of share with you what I've been reading uh, over the quarantine. Think of this kind of like, you know, KYPD's version of Oprah's Book Club or something, okay? All right, so here it goes. Just a few books here. Here's the first one on the list. Now, I, I got this book for Christmas this year, started reading it before we went on quarantine, but I'm still counting it because I finished it up right at the beginning when we when we first got uh, went on lockdown. So the first book on the list is Sam Houston and the Alamo Avengers by Brian Kilmeade. Now, if you are a Texas coach, this is a must read because um, this is a, a book, you know, everybody knows, I think all of us probably know uh, the story of uh, the Alamo. At least, again, if you're from Texas and you don't know that story, you're not familiar with that story, then we're going to have to take your badge from you because, uh, you know, you have to, as a, as a, as a proud Texan, you got to know the story of the Alamo and those characters involved. And this book does just that. It really goes behind the scenes and gives you a lot of great information uh, yes, it talks about the Alamo, but it really focuses on the aftermath and what happened after that and how Texas won its independence from, from Mexico. And, and uh, you know, obviously Sam Houston has a special place in my heart because uh, I'm from Huntsville, which is where he lived, and his house is right there downtown in the middle of town. So uh, that was a uh, another reason why I really like this book. But that is a great book that you should definitely check out. It's an easy read. It uh, reads pretty quickly, and I think you can find that digitally as well. I read the hard copy, but uh, that's a great book there by Brian Kilmeade. The next one, the next book that I read uh, was called Fearless, The Undaunted Courage and Ultimate Sacrifice of Navy SEAL Team 6 Operator Adam Brown. And that's by Eric Blim. I hope I'm saying that name correctly. Uh, but this is an outstanding book. I love nonfiction. 
you know, I, I do like to read stuff that's that's made up every now and then. You know, we go on vacation, just want to read something that I don't have to think about. But, man, I really like nonfiction books, and I like autobiographies. I like biographies about inspiring people who had to overcome unbelievable obstacles. And this book does just that. And this is a book written about a guy named Adam Brown, uh, who was a SEAL uh, in Navy SEAL Team 6, as the title mentions. He's from Arkansas, or was from Arkansas, and he lost his life uh, in a mission there uh, in, I believe it was in Afghanistan. But it's just an outstanding story, a really inspiring story. He had to overcome a lot to get to where he was, and Adam had to rely heavily on his faith to become this true warrior who just who selflessly gave his life for his country. Uh, I won't give anything away, but it is a great book. It was actually recommended to me by a college coach that was coming through our, our place uh, in the fall, and, and we were just talking and, and got to talking about books, and he recommended it, and uh, so I, I picked that one up, and it is definitely a great read, definitely inspiring, and uh, just, just a really, really, really good read. So that's Fearless. It's called Fearless, The Undaunted Courage and Ultimate Sacrifice of Navy SEAL Team 6 Operator Adam Brown. So check that one out. Next book on the list is one that I listened to. And it also is a story of a Navy SEAL, and that is Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. Now, if you don't know who David Goggins is, hit, hit pause on this podcast right now and go Google him. Uh, he is an absolute stud, and uh, you want to talk about inspiring stories, uh, he's got one. And this book details that, and, and it's, it's unbelievable, and nothing short of inspiring. But like with any good book, it definitely will challenge you and stretch you. So I'll throw that out there and uh, as sort of a warning before you jump into it. And here's why I'd recommend the audio version of this book. Uh, I downloaded it on Audible, uh, but the audio version of this book uh, goes in a lot more detail uh, between the chapters. He and the author kind of talk about what happened in the chapters, and he shares extra stories and more insight into what's going on in the book itself, which gives it kind of a a feel of like a cross between a book and a podcast. So that's, that's a really cool advantage of checking out the audio version of that book. Now, for those of you who don't know, David Goggins is a retired uh, Navy SEAL, Army Ranger, uh, and and he's a current. He currently runs these ultra marathons, and he's actually even a. Uh, I think he's a, a firefighter up like in like uh, these places where they have all these crazy wildfires and stuff. And it's just he's just a. It's just an unbelievable story. I don't have time to um, to go in a whole lot of detail there, but you definitely need to check that book out as well. Finally, book that I just wrapped up this past week, and this is also one that I listened to, and that is Talking to Strangers by Malcolm Gladwell. I've, I've read a handful of Malcolm Gladwell books, and I always like them. I think they are definitely thought-provoking and really make me challenge some things that I thought maybe to be true. And uh, he just has a great way of sort of opening your eyes to some things and thinking about things in a different way. And, and I think this book does that also and helps us better understand those people around us who we don't know. Uh, I just think it's important for us, especially in, in our day and age, to learn more about each other as people and, and, and how, how we get along with each other and how to relate to each other. Uh, and when I mention all these books, by the way, side note, I'm not saying that I agree with everything that's in, in on every page of these books. Okay, This is not a complete endorsement of everything found in these books or the authors or, or, or the subject matter or anything like that, but I just think they're great books that would be uh, really beneficial for coaches and, and really everyone to read. There it is. That's my... Um, that's the first installment of the KYPD Book Club Quarantine Edition of books you should definitely check out. You can find the links to all those books in the show notes of this episode, so check those out. But like I said, I love reading and I'm usually reading something, so I'm sure that I'll make this a semi-regular segment uh, on our podcast here. 
But enough of all that, let's get back to today's conversation with Coach Valmore. Coach Valmore grew up in Houston, Texas, and attended Jesse H. Jones High School before receiving a scholarship to play football at Texas Southern University, where he was a captain his junior and senior year and earned all SWAC honors as a senior. Coach Valmore began his coaching career at Houston Fur High School, where he began as a position coach and worked his way up to defensive coordinator for the Brahmas. In 2016, Coach Valmore was blessed to be awarded the Houston Texans High School Coach of the Year Award, in which he represented the franchise at the 2017 Pro Bowl. This award also nominated him to be a candidate for the NFL Don Shula Coach of the Year Award. Coach Valmore just wrapped up his second season at Bridgeland, where the Bears finished the 2019 season with an 8-3 record and appearance in the playoffs in just their third year of varsity football. Today, Coach Valmore and I discuss his experiences of coaching ball in inner city Houston and how he relates to and builds relationships with his players. We also talk about defending the run, including some of Coach Valmore's favorite drills, and then wrap up our discussion talking about breaking down an offensive line. I had a lot of fun talking with Coach Valmore, and I know that you enjoy what he has to say today. So lean in and listen up to Coach Matthew Valmore on episode number 58 of KYPD. Coach Valmore, welcome to the podcast. You know, it's been a while since we've had a coach from Houston on the show, so I am particularly glad to have you on today, coming to us from the northwest side of Houston. How you doing, Coach? I'm doing great. Great to have you, Coach. Hey, so, Coach, as I just mentioned, you are uh, a Houston guy through and through, went to high school there, played your college ball there, and now you're coaching over at the new school there in Cyprus and in, in Bridgeland High School. So let's start there with, with you telling us about your background as both a player and a coach uh, coming out of the city of Houston. Okay, well, uh, first of all, I'm happy to be here, Coach Taylor. I'm excited to uh, have the opportunity to go ahead and talk on the podcast. But uh, I grew up in South Park in Houston, Texas, uh, where I attended Jesse H. Jones High School. Um, from there, I was, I was a two-sport letterman. You know, I played basketball. Um, as well as football. Um, I was actually fortunate enough to uh, win a state championship in basketball my junior year um, at small forward. So um, I played football, played offensive line, played defensive line. Uh, I've always had my hand in the dirt. So uh, I uh, was fortunate enough um, to, after my senior year, to be awarded first team in all, uh, first team all district in offensive line and defensive line. And from there, I received the scholarship to play football at Texas Southern, where I played D-line. And I was a swing guy. I uh, played all up and down the D-line from nose to shade to uh, to defensive end. Um, my senior year at Texas Southern, uh, finished top five in TFLs, 10th uh, in sacks, which earned me all SWAC honors. Um, at Texas Southern, I was fortunate enough to also receive my bachelor's and my master's degree. And um, so I was blessed there. And as, as far as, you know, being a coach, um, I've always wanted to be a coach. Of course, my my first dream was to be a professional football player. But for as long as I can remember, Coach Taylor, I've always wanted to be a football coach. So uh, when my playing days were over, it was easy for me to put down my cleats and pick up a whistle. Yeah. So. Yeah. So well, I'm just curious, as you're going through high school and, and, play, and playing college ball, were there some coaches there uh, that you were around or that coached you that kind of made you want to go in that direction of be, becoming a coach? Well, I had two defensive line coaches because I had, I had two different staffs when I was at Texas Southern. Um, my first defensive line coach was Coach Deshaun Burns, um, who was a guy who uh, played his college ball at USC uh, back in the 80s. 
and uh, he coached a defensive line uh, when I got to Texas Southern. And he was a guy who, who was a no-excuse kind of guy. Um, I came into high school. Um, I was kind of uh, – I had a lack of knowledge as far as technique, if you will, and, and, and why we do these things, why we put the hands placement here, why we put his hands down. So I had to play a lot of catch-up. And uh, he was a guy who really took me by the wings – you know, as a freshman coming in and, and, you know, to a point where I didn't feel intimidated by the other guys and um, saw the potential in me and pushed me, you know, um, days where I didn't like him. And, you know, I feel like it was personal, but, you know, I grew to understand that he was just coaching me because he wanted me to be better. And that was throughout the entire time I was done. The entire time I had to spend three years you know, with that staff before Texas Southern went into a new direction. So um, Coach Burns was a guy that I still talk to to this day uh, who's coaching back in California now? Who you know, we, we we talk about life, we talk about ball, we talk about schemes. He's just a guy who's always been a great mentor in my corner. Yeah. Um, and the second guy was uh, he was he was my second defensive line coach, uh, Coach Jermaine Jackson, who's actually the head football coach at Colorado Wesley University now. Um, me and him had a lot in common. He was also an HISD kid. Um, he graduated from Waltrip High School, and uh, he actually played his college ball at Texas Southern as well. So. For him to come back, and me and him had deep roots as far as from high school all the way back to college. And he was another guy who was a noise-excuse kind of guy and saw the potential and um, made sure that I, I gave my best every single day. And uh, it's kind of helped mold me into not only a good coach, but helped, me mold, helped mold me into a good man as well. So, Yeah, absolutely. And it's always great to have those types of guys uh, and and. You know, it's 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 those kind of coaches that really have an impact on us and, and do make us want to, you know, uh, to, to be like them and pursue coaching as a profession. So everybody has a story about how they got into coaching. You know, for me, uh, it was uh, volunteering and, and it wasn't an ideal situation. It wasn't something I had planned. But, you know, for you, what was that like? How did you actually break into coaching to get your first coaching job? Um. Well, when I graduated from uh, from, from Texas Southern, um, I reached out and I was certified. I, I reached out to one of my high school coaches um, that was still coaching in a district in, in HISD. And um, he was frat brothers uh, with, with Omega South Five with the head football coach over at Fur. And so um, Coach Gray. And uh, Coach Gray actually is a guy who's been coaching at Fur High School for going on 30 years now. Um, he, 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 uh, he reached out to him and said, hey, I got a guy who uh, – I just came out of Texas Southern. I coached him in high school. And the funny story is Coach Gray was actually a head coach when I was in high school. So he remembered coaching against me. Yeah. So when I came on my interview, you know, he reached out. We set up the interview. I came out to meet him. He looked at my face. He said, no, where are you? And so we started talking about what year I played at Jesse H. Jones and what number I wore. And it was just a small world. I remember me as a player. And that just kind of kicked off our relationship. Um, you know, to sit down, just, just talking about old times and, you know, talking about those old games when I was in high school. And, you know, and you could tell it was a mutual respect there and, and it was a mutual interest. And so after the interview, um, I say maybe a day later, I had I had the D-line job um, coming. I was 26. I just got out of grad school and, and I was extremely grateful for it. So just, you know, maintaining relations, positive relationships and not, not burning any bridges with my high school coaches, um, you know, led me to my first high school job. And I was extremely grateful for it. That's great, you know, and, and that's a that's one of those things that I think sometimes kids, uh, at, we're in the in the in the middle of their playing days, they they that they don't always get, and I know I didn't get it, is that, you know that that those relationships that you're building with your coaches, those are things that 
that are going to help you way on down the road. And you may not even realize it at this point. I mean, you didn't know when you were a high school kid playing football that, you know, that you were basically uh, interviewing for a job down the road. You know, and if you would have been a, a, a kid who just had bad attitude and, and was just a, a horrible teammate, then that probably wouldn't have worked out for you the same way that it did in that first job interview. Yeah, it was, um, you know, and, and they say you, you never should burn any bridges. And, you know, your first impression is a, is, is a lasting impression. And, um, you know, having those relationships with, you know, with my coaches is being somebody that, you know, I was a captain in high school, so I was somebody that they felt that they could trust. And, uh, you know, um, when I came out, and uh, I wanted to get into coaching, and I reached back out, and he said, man, I know somebody that would be perfect for you. And maintaining and having somebody that can, that, that can speak on your name as far as, you know, your work ethic and you being trustworthy and you loving the game of football, you know, and that also helped me. And, you know, that was half the battle in my interview as well. So, absolutely, you know, building those relationships and maintaining positive relationships is key in everything that we do. That's exactly right. So then walk us through from there from Houston Fur, just uh, all the coaching stops that you've made along the way and some highlights from those stops. Well, I, I came in at Fur. I was 26 years old, and um, I got I got my first you know job. I was a D-line coach for um, my first two years there, along with, with the uh, strength and conditioning. And um, following my first three years there, I um, got the defensive coordinator job, and um, I was a DC and the year before I took over, we actually, you know, finished dead last in total defense. And so we're sitting there, you know, scratching our heads, figuring out, you know, how do we pick up the pieces? How do we fix it? And, uh, we, we made some, some changes schematic wise, you know, personnel wise, you know, I was still learning the defense as far as from a coordinator side. Now I'm forced to learn the secondary aspect of, you know, how we, how we run fit, how do we, how we drop the coverages. And, um, we were able to, you know, for one, we had to make sure our kids knew what they were doing. And, you know, just like you coach, you know, you coach your guys, and you know, as a player as well, is when you know what you do, what you're supposed to do, it enables you to play faster. Right. And so we just, we made it simpler. Hey, we're not going to run, you know, whatever, seven blitzes. We're going to cut it down to three or four, but we're going to master these three or four along with these coverage so it enables us to play fast. And within that first year of me being a defensive coordinator, when we finished the season, we jumped from dead last and we finished second. In, uh, in, in total defense, so um, third in interceptions and fourth in sacks, and uh, we were able to do that just by you know simplifying what we do for our kids, and the kids were comfortable with you know with the scheme. Um, in 2016, the Lord blessed me to be able to win the Houston Texans High School Coach of the Year, and uh, that that was a huge honor that I was extremely grateful for. Um, not only to you know for the recognition, but to be able to, to you know raise the money. Uh, for those kids because the Houston Texans donated a um, $2,500 check to Fur High School. And if you know anything about Fur High School and HNRZ in the inner city, you know, the resources are limited there. And uh, it's different opposed to being, you know, in, in a suburban setting, in a suburban school. So, you know, the, the resources, the, you know, the weight room and, and things are just different. So to be able to um, add some 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 revenue into that program to give back to those kids was 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 key and it was it was extremely blessed to be able to represent um, the franchise at the Pro Bowl as well and just the overall experience and uh, it, it was it was it was a it was a good experience for me I met a lot of people um, I learned a lot about you know um, the business of the NFL as far as you know at the Pro Bowl and how the Pro Bowl is ran and it, it was it was just an overall great experience that I'll, I'll never forget. Um, and then, you know, the relationships I built with those kids over, you know, at first, um, I was an inner city kid 
And, you know, I understand some of the struggles, you know, that those kids go through and um, able to um, have them believe in something and have them to be able to believe in themselves um, help me build those relationships with those kids. And I tell people all the time, man, the relationships I built with those kids over those seven years is something I forget because it was, it was not only did I see them or they saw me as coach, they saw me as a mentor. And, you know, whenever you can coach and give back, and, you know, you, you can have a kid come back two or three years after he graduated and say, Coach, you made an impact on me when nobody else had believed in me. For me, that was more valuable than winning any football game. Yeah. So yeah. Um, it was just a lasting relationship that, you know, I, I left with those kids, and they left with me. Uh, so, when, you know, when I left, you know, it was it was, it was tears shed because, you know, it was my first job, and um, it was also, you know, the, 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 the relationship that we had. So um, I, I was blessed to be able to, to spend my first seven years coaching at first. And so then from Fur, you moved on to Bridgeland, is that correct? Yes, sir. I went from Bridgeland, moved from Fur to Bridgeland High School. And uh, this is my second year at Bridgeland, uh, being a defensive line coach. And uh, going on, this next year will be my third year. And uh, we're looking for big things in, in 2020. Well, I want to talk about that, but first I want to go back to uh, just being at Fur because, uh, like you said, that there are a lot of challenges that come with coaching in the inner city. But I have to believe that, uh, as you kind of already alluded to, that uh, you coaching up those kids and, and being a, an inner city Houston kid yourself had to give you instant credibility. So I, do I feel like do you, do you do you did you feel like that there was um, you know an extra responsibility on you to you know, to kind of show those kids that there was more to life than, than what they had going on there and that it was possible for them to be successful and, and accomplish all these things in much the same way that you did? Well, I look at the word coaches, too. It's, it, it isn't just coaching, you know, the game of football. Yeah. You know, we also coach life. Yeah. So, you know, growing up, growing up in the same neighborhoods and, you know, growing up in the same environments, you know, I've seen some of the same things that they have seen and they, they've been through, so I understood you know, and Nick Saban has a quote that I, I still live by for this day. And, and you know, he basically said that players don't care about what you know until they know that you care. Yeah. And so, yeah, so, you know, those kids who, you know, may come to school who haven't ate, um, who may come to school who, you know, may not have clean clothes, who may not come to school, who may not have, you know, lights at the house. It's a reason why they may be acting out. You know, it's a reason why, you know, their grades may not be, where, you know, where you want them to be. It's a reason why. And, you know, taking the time and talking to them, um, did incredible measures because it gave them, for one, someone that they felt as if they can trust, and two, it helped them have a different outlook on life. Like, hey, you know, myself and the head coach at Fur, um, Coach Gray was a Fur kid. He went to Fur High School, so he went to the same high school. He came back and coached, so he was another avenue that those kids could lean on. Yeah. And you know, because he understood, he'd been through the same thing. Yeah. So. Um, I wouldn't say it was a, it was a personal obligation. I, I think it was something that you know, from experience, you know, you you want to reach out because you want to help those kids because yeah. you see that you look at those kids and and you see yourself. Yeah. Um, and so you know, some of those kids come from broken homes where they're not getting the resources or they're not getting the support that they need at home. And you, Joe, you know, just like I know, coach, you know, we spend more time with other people's kids and coaching than sometimes than we do with our own kids. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so, you know, having those relationships and spending those time with those kids and, you know, having them be able to believe in themselves uh, was something that, you know, nobody can ever um, – it's something that has helped, you know, a lot of those kids carry on to life after high school, go to college, and, you know, get their degrees, get jobs, and become successful men. 
Yeah, coach, and and, and you're right, and that's and that's where um, you know I think the importance of our profession is maybe uh, even even more vital to to just the overall health of our society, and and, and especially uh, you know as it pertains to young men, uh, even more important now than actually than probably ever in in our in the history of our profession. Absolutely, coach. Absolutely. Well, I want to talk to uh, talk about about Bridgeland uh, now, and and you guys, uh, brand new school, third year, just wrapped up your third year of varsity football, and we're eight and three this year. Uh, lost in the first round by by one point to a uh, to Austin Vandergrift, which is always a tough six A team. And you guys, you know, we've talked about this in, in previous conversations. You guys are in a really difficult, uh, tough district there. Um, where where you you know you have you have room to play one non district game and the rest of the way it's it's all district and and everybody knows each other and you're in there in close quarters and, and playing some other Cypress uh, schools and so let's j- just talk about uh, Bridgeton and what you guys got going on there and, and sort of your outlook for for 2020. Well, yeah, this is my uh, my second year over at Bridgeton. Um, you know, coaching the defensive line and um, this was our second year of having a varsity schedule. Schools been open for three years. And uh, first year they played a, a JV schedule, and uh, so last year we had a 2018 was our first varsity season, uh, which we went three and seven. Um, then this past season, 2019 was our second varsity season, which we went eight and two. And you know, with the following, we were eight and three if you include the loss to Austin Vandergriff. And um, 2020 is you know supposed to be we we feel as if it should be a good year for our kids. Um, our kids are are battle tested. Um, our kids are going to be seniors, uh, you know, the, the class that came in and started the school when the school first opened, this is their senior year. This is their third varsity season. So we have experience, you know, and when the school first opened, we played a JV schedule, and even our first round varsity, having a varsity schedule, you know, people gave the excuse that we were young, and, you know, we, we were uh, we were experienced, and, you know, we, we still didn't want to use that as an excuse. Um, you know, we still wanted to come out and compete, but now that these kids are coming up on seniors along with um, a talented junior class that's behind them that's mixed in with these upcoming seniors, um, you know, that there is no excuse for, you know, us to be inexperienced and uh, not ready. So um, 2020 is supposed to be a special year for us. The kids have worked hard. We've seen tremendous gains um, in them in the weight room. We've seen tremendous gains in their speed and their, in their, in their development. Um, and we've seen tremendous gains in their development and their mindset and, and them as players and how they approach the game, how they approach practice, how they approach working out. So, We've seen our kids grow up, um, not just physically. We've seen our kids grow up mentally and, you know, how they approach the game and how they uh, relate to one another. So um, we're excited about 2020. You know, we actually had a Zoom this morning. You know, everybody just kind of getting antsy because, you know, we want to be around our kids and, you know, used to the grind and, um, you know, watching them grow and watching them take steps in their further development. Um, So... Um, Brisbane has, I've learned a whole lot in my two years there. Um, it's a good place to be at and I'm looking forward to the future there. You know, I, I think it's, I think it's always just fascinating when, when, because I've had other coaches on, on this podcast who are kind of in similar situations with you where they're, they're opening up a new school or they have so they've done so in the, in the past. And, you know, um, I think that what comes to mind, at least if you're in Texas, uh, is uh, the Shadow Creeks of the world. You know, you have Shadow Creek, who was a brand new school, and now, uh, you know, they, they've they've gone to back-to-back state games and and uh, you know won won it all this past season. And just the success that schools are having at such an early on uh, early on in their 
in their uh, infancy uh, is really it is amazing and a testament to the coaches on that staff. And so I think the same thing could be said about about you guys. You know, being uh, three and, and eight, I think what you said, and then now you're eight and two with a then with a loss, uh, and then to turn that around this year and, and, and to have eight wins, uh, it really is a testament to the culture that you guys are instilling and the message that you are you know that you're sending to those kids. And, and I had to believe that starting out and and, and Facing an uphill battle is, you know, playing a varsity schedule as a bunch of young kids can only make those guys tougher and and, and stronger and more close uh, knit as a group. Is that would you agree with that? Oh yeah, you know they were they were fourteen and fifteen year olds, you know, pretty much playing as grown men as, as, as sophomores. Yeah, and uh, you know I I can think about my position. You know I can think of a game of a couple of games in particular where they would just walk the guys off the football and you know. Coach Taylor looked like a war movie. You know, yeah. the people were just dropped and left and right. Yeah. And, you know, we couldn't stop nobody. And it, it was it was bad. You know, yeah. and to even look at that film and look at where we are now. Of course, we're not where we want to be, but we're so much further off than what we were a year ago and two years ago. And you know, that speaks to you know each position coach that we have on our staff and still in the culture of getting better, still in the culture of not making excuses, and you know. Um, trying to get better every single day, you know, whether that's in the weight room, in the classroom, in the film study. And, you know, that's something that I hear Coach, you know, preach to us. Coach Radfield is really big on everybody doing their job and, you know, getting the best out of your kids every single day. Um, and so we try, we pride ourselves on that and everything that we do on both sides of the football, just making sure we get the best out of our kids. And, you know, that they can be the best football player and the best young man they can be. Um, so it's definitely a culture that we have instilled, and it's a work in progress that we're continuing to get better and uh, um, not get complacent because of the eight-win season last year. So right. we face a whole new challenge of trying to get them to take the next step um, with this next upcoming season. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's let's jump into your to, to your defense there and, and talk about that. You know, you guys pride yourselves on being able to stop the run. That we, you know, that's something we talked about a lot in, in previous conversations. You know, and just in your opinion, what 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 has allowed you guys to be so successful in stopping an opponent's run opponent's run game uh, over the years? Well, um, well, like I said, you know, just piggybacking on the, on the previous question, you know, part of it, you know, the kids, the kids grew up, you know, they were a year older, they were a year stronger, um, so that would enable them to be able to, you know, play blocks and get off blocks and things of that nature. But it was also the entire defense, you know, buying in to stopping the run. You know, everybody buying in. Hey, what's my gap? Where's my fit? If I'm a force guy, if I'm a cap guy, if I'm a spill guy, everybody bought into, you know, doing their job. And uh, I'm a firm believer as a defensive line coach, man, we got to win a line of scrimmage every single play. And I think that's a mindset. You know, you can put that on paper. You can put that in a PowerPoint, you know, but that's something that you have to instill in your kids as a defensive line coach. We, it starts up front. You know, if if you can't, if you don't, it, running the football starts with the offensive line, stopping the run starts with the defensive line. So I put a lot of you know, pressure on my guys, put a lot of pressure on myself. If we're going to win the line of scrimmage, we want to try to knock people backwards and recreate that line of scrimmage and, you know, keep, you know, keep guys off our backers. That way everybody can flow to the ball. Our secondary guys can get all blocks and flow to the ball. So it's been a um, team effort, you know, not just up front, but linebackers and DBs telling, you know, just telling each other, hey, they're not going to run the football on us. You know, we're going to make them one-dimensional, make them throw it. So um, a, lot, a lot of it has been the mindset and just buying into what we're trying to do uh, schematic-wise. Well, how are you coaching up things like uh, you know block recognition, block destruction, keys, all those sort of things that that obviously you know a D line has to be great at in order to be successful in stopping the run? How are you coaching those things up? 
Well, absolutely. When we talk about block recognition, you know, um, first thing we have to talk about is, you know, the keys, where are your eyes? You know, we don't really play too much head up. So all our guys are on edges. And I tell my guys to put their keys on, on their work, which we know is the beginning. And, you know, that V is going to take you to everything that you need to see. If I'm a, you know, five technique, you know, on the right side and that, you know, playing that tackle, I mean, my, my eyes need to be on his outside shoulder. So I get to reach back, I'm able to find out the line block, I'm able to come off his butt, squeeze him, and, you know, eliminate the balls. And whatever we're doing, it all starts with your eyes, you know. Um, block recognition, you know, if it's, if that D is at me, chances are some type of aggressive block. It's, it's a base block. It's a reach block. If the D is down, you know, um, I got to come off his butt. If it's a high head, maybe a pass, maybe a draw. And, you know, but all it has to be, um, you can only play those blocks if your eyes are right. You can't be looking in the backfield, can't be looking at the running back. Um, you got to be able to take care of this guy first, you know. Um, and we, we practice every single day about uncoiling our hips. So, you know, you have a D lineman that squats, you know, 475. But, but, you know, Coach, if he doesn't bring his hips, you know, as he's playing the run, if he doesn't uncoil his hips, then what good is that 475, you know? Right. So we do a progression of drills from a two-point – I'm sorry, from a six-point, you know, progression where we, you know, sitting on our knees. We're sitting on our knees, toes, and our hands, and, you know, we got our hips rolled back, and, you know, we can hit the sled or we can hit each other or we can hit arm shoes. You know, we just want to practice, you know, on the ball snaps, firing out of our hips and getting that overextension, you know, getting our hand placement right, making sure that we're chest biting armpit and we're playing half a man, we're not playing a whole man because those things get you in trouble when you plan to run. Or, you know, even if you pass for us, you're supposed to be half, but I end up whole and you know, I don't have my gap integrity. So we, we practice all the little things, uncalling our hips, putting our hands in the right placement, in the right places, um, thumbs to the sky, straight nails. And we go from a, a six-point progression um, of uncalling our hips to a two-point progression in which we, you know, we include our linebackers. You know, our linebacker coach calls it a shotgun drill. And we just practice on bringing those hips, shocking offensive linemen, getting off blocks. Um, and then from a two-point coach, we go to a three-point um, layout out of a three-point stance where we'll come out of our stance and just uncoil our hips. The same thing, just getting in the habit of bringing those hips, bringing that power with me so we can get that knockback. And, you know, after all those drills are done, we'll put in the one drill where, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a defensive lineman. I'm reading the offensive line guy. And I, as a coach, usually stand, you know, behind the defensive guy. And I'll tell the offense, which way I want him to block. Hey, I want you to reach outside or I want you to down block. And that defensive lineman has to be able to read that block based off what that D is giving him. So uh, we try to break it down to the little things. Um, you know, we try to preach getting our hands on people first, getting off the block attacking people try to make things happen on their side of the ball um we're not you know 250 260 270 as far as on our defensive line and stuff for maybe our nose guard so all the little things that we do have to be right in our technique yeah I and mean, it all starts with our eyes you know and our hips and our feet so um block recognition is, is every that we do that every single day we can do that pre-practice coach we can do it during we can do it post um but their eyes have to be right yeah I, I, you're exactly right coach you're exactly right and, and i I like that you talked about the you know the, the six point progression and then working all the way through to uh, you know finishing with the three point progression because you know that's that's you're, you're, that's exactly what we're doing uh, at our place with our guys and that's where we're starting. I'm curious. I want to ask you about the uh, and get you to talk a little more about the two point progression and you mentioned the shotgun drill. Can you talk about that and you know how you're coming out of your two point stance and 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 just just talk about that a little bit more. 
Oh, absolutely. So, you know, two points. So we just basically stand on our feet. You know, we, we're sitting down. We got our, with our hips locked in. Kind of similar to a uh, position, if you will, we were doing a hand clean. Yeah. You know, I got our hips locked yeah. back, and we got our hands ready to go. And it's the same thing we were doing the six point, on the six-point progression on the sled. When that ball snaps, we're throwing our hips. And what we're trying to maintain right now is – we're really not really working on the feet aspect. We're just bringing our hips and we're shocking. Yeah. yeah. So it, it, it will look out. It will look like, excuse me, with my hands being above my eyes and yeah. my hips are thrown forward. Okay. Same uncoordinated of our hips, if you would, if you want a six point progression. Because when we go six point and you fire that stands, a lot of times people strike and they end up falling on their face because we're trying to implement, hey, bring your hips. Yeah. Now we're doing the same thing from a two point progression. Which is the same thing our linebackers do, which we call shotgun. So if I'm a backer and, hey, I get a, a lineman at me right now trying to climb, I need to be able to shock this guy and put him back in the hole. Right. You know? And so I don't want to be standing flat-footed with, you know, with my hips back when that comes and this big, you know, 270, 280-pound lineman just gets a full head of steam and he fires it off on me. I don't stand a chance. So I have to be able to come out of my hips. The two-point progression is probably more of a linebacker's thing because they're yeah. standing up. Yeah. But we just do it because I want to – get my kids in the, in the aspect of coming out of their hips and whatever they're doing, whatever position they may find yeah. on the football field. But um, our linebackers do a good job of when they see linemen or if they, if they're getting linemen at them, they do a good job of shocking them with the shotgun, bringing their hips and locking them out. Um, so that, that's all two-point progression is. Okay. You know, it's the same drill from the six-point. We're yeah. just standing on our feet. And when that ball snaps, we want to strike a good pad level. You know, we want to bring our hips. We want to shock chest plate and armpit and maintaining gap integrity. Are they taking a step there, or is it just are they just exploding from their hips with no step? Well, we we, we do it the progression where we'll go for D line wise, we'll go six point two point with our two point. We don't bring our feet. Um, then we'll bring then we we'll go to our three point. And once we go through our three point layout, you know I call it the finished product. Now they put everything together. Now they're going to work on their steps. So even if we go back to a two point and we say now we're going to work our feet. They'll bring that hip, and then they got that first six-inch power step, but then they got yeah. the second inch flight adjustment step. Yeah. So I work hips in a whole um, different uh, drill, if you will, just to get them in the habit of bringing their hips. And then we'll go back and do the same drill with two-point and three-point. Now we want to bring our hips and bring our feet. Yeah, okay. Um, absolutely. Okay. So from there, so you, so you move on from that, that progression. What else? What else are you doing with your guys? Um, and we're still talking, you know, uh, single block drills, you know, then we go to, to block recognition where we're trying to play whatever um, block we're getting, you know, whether it's a reach block, whether it's, it's down. And you know, once we've figured out all of these, um, and we've looked at all these single blocks from, you know, a defensive end or, or, or a nose perspective, now we start getting into different blocks that you're going to see for the week. Hey, now we're going to get full out zone. We're going to get full out scoop blocks. So I split my guys, you know, we go two on one. Um, sometimes you have a number go three or five. We're trying to look at what type of blocking teams we're getting. Hey, you're going to get, we're going to go with double team, you know, with the nose guard. Um, we're going to get power E. We're going to get zone. We're going to get power scoops. And so we start going, depending on who we're playing, we start going through all these different um, blocking combinations so the guys can be prepared on how to play them um, week to week. How are you coaching? Let's talk about zone really quick. How are you coaching up your guys to play that reach block, and 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 what, what do they do if they do find themselves getting reached and getting and, and losing their gaps? How how do how do they recover from that? Okay, well, yeah, you, well, you go coaching the all stars, you know, with your eyes, and, 
you know, like, again, I'll just use a five technique on the right side, for example. You know, I'm a five. I'm sitting outside. You know, if that tackle shoulder and he takes that bucket step and he's at me right now trying to fight my outside shoulder, my first step, and I, where a lot of guys get in trouble, coaches, I don't know if you've seen it, you know, where you've been, a lot of guys will punch to that shoulder, but their feet will go inside. Yes. That, that makes any sense. So yep. I'm trying to get a reach block outside. So I punch outside, but my first step is in. Now I'm out leveraged. And if I find myself head up, now I got to fight to get outside. So I tell my guys, hey, if you find yourself head up and you know you have outside and you get in reach, you have to push and pull. You have to push and post as much as you can. So pulling down with that inside hand and posting with that outside hand not only helps you recover, but it turns the offensive lineman's shoulders. Yeah. Um, and if you find yourself, you know, tugging and you can't get there, you have to be able to push and post as much as you can to keep that ball from getting outside of you. Um, yeah. But along with that, Coach, with reach block, man, you, you, your footwork is, is, is essential. You know, you, I tell we do reach and gather where, you know, I'm playing reach block from side to side. You know, I'll go right for five yards, reach and gather left, just, you know, teaching how to keep my feet. You know, a lot of guys that make contact and they're just running. They're crossing over. Right, you don't right. have any power. You don't have right. any base that way. So if you're playing reach and we're sitting there reaching together, I have to make sure that my feet never touch. I have to make sure that my feet never cross. I don't want my feet to be too close. I want to maintain a good base. That way I'm able to get off a block and put my foot in the ground either direction and go make a play. Um, so it, it's it's eyes, making sure my eyes are on the outside shoulder that tackle, whatever I'm, whatever I'm playing. Um, and then when that ball snaps, making sure I step to that V. As, you know, I want to step to the V just like I'm striking the V. And then when I feel the block, I have to be able to maintain my good feet. I have to push and pull to maintain that outside leverage. Then when the ball declares, get off and, you know, go play football from there. Right, exactly, exactly. Yeah, and, and I like the, you know, I love the push and pull stuff. And, and you keep, uh, one word that keeps coming up in all of your, and all of the things you're, you're talking about is the importance of eye discipline. And, you know, a lot of times when I've worked that drill in the past, where, where kind of what you're talking about, uh, whether it's a, you know, you want to call it a steer drill or push and pull drill or whatever, is, you know, sometimes I'll have those guys close their eyes and just have that offensive lineman either go right or left. And the kid's going to got to push pull based on just, fi- you know, feeling. Uh, you know, feeling uh, that 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 block, you know, and so so now you talk about having eyes in the palms of your hand. So not only do they have to have eyes on their keys, like like you're talking about, eyes on the V of that neck or whatever, but now you know that the 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 more they get their hands on their guy, the easier it is is, is going to be able to defeat that block. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, it, I look at it like this: my D line coach in college told me you have to defeat point A before you can get to point B. Yeah. So a lot of guys, you know, they get so caught up in making plays and they want to look in the backfield before yeah. you lower the ball is snapped. You're looking in the backfield, you just got reached. Yeah. You know, rather than putting your eyes where they're supposed to be and defeating this guy first, then you're going to make a play. Yeah. So it, it starts with your eyes. You know? Yeah. It starts with your eyes. Absolutely. So so as you, you work work block destruction and you move on from there, what else? What are some other skills or things that you guys are covering, uh, you know, w- that you're covering with your guys uh, when it comes to just being great at defending the run? Well, you know, um, we, one thing that we have gotten a whole lot better at, Coach Taylor, was, was anchoring down down blocks yeah. or any type of pressure block. And I tell my kids, hey, man, you fight pressure with pressure. And it's a reason why, you know, and I tell my kids this, hey, if you're a four-eye, right, and that and that tackle is just slamming you down, he's just down, but he's slamming, slamming the door on you. It's a reason why he's blocking you that way. Where do you think the football is going? Right. You know, 
And I don't want to. I don't want it. I'm doing his job, but if I'm if I'm sitting, I'm trying to play a, a base block, and I'm just getting down blocked, and I'm just running down inside. You just made his job a whole lot easier. So we do a drill where um, I have my kids stand on the sideline, you know, and they're, they're facing, let's say, the, the scoreboard. Uh-huh. That, you know, so they're, they're standing on the sideline, and they're they, they're squatting, and they have their hands locked out. Um, on an on you know it'll be essentially offensive line, but it's one of the guys, and all they want to do is with good feet, feet still not touching, feet still not crossing, they're pressing back laterally as if they were anchoring down a down block. Does that make sense? Yep. Yep. So they're, they're pressing, they're pressing, they're staying lateral. They got that arm locked out. They're pressing, they're pressing, they're pressing. Essentially playing a down block, and then on a release, you know they 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 cross that face. And so we do that drill to be able to anchor and get control of this guy that's down blocking because it's a reason why he's pressing me this way. We want to fight pressure with pressure. So if he's pressuring me from the right, if I'm a four eye and he's down blocking me, I want to be able to step to that tackle and anchor him. And when I get control of my eyes inside, you know, and that ball declares, you know, off tackle, if you will, then I can just cross his face and put me in a better position to make a play. Yeah. So um, when I first got there, I couldn't understand, you know, what my kids just, just kept running. You know, we're running down inside. They're running off tackle. We just get slammed. And it took a while for me to look and feel. So, well, we got to work anchor blocks. We're not anchoring down. We're just running down inside. Yeah. Yeah. That, so that, that's, that's something that we're doing our everyday drills, just teaching these guys, hey, how to anchor, fight pressure with pressure. If you get pressure this way, it's the reason why, because the ball is coming uh, on, on his butt side. And I think a lot of that, you know, a lot of problems that you run into with getting washed down can stem back to if you're having a, if you have a great get off and you're blowing up that inside shoulder as a four eye, that's going to be you're going to make it difficult for that tackle to just be able to tee off on your hip and wash you down because now you're hip to hip with him. You know what I'm saying? So you know, a lot of those problems yeah. can be fixed with a great get off. See, and, uh, great get off coach. A lot of the, uh, my guys, you know, again, they were young guys. It was their eyes because yeah. they were expecting, they thinking they were going to shoot B gap and try to make a play, and that tackle was coming off their football and just watching them down. Yeah, you know, yeah. you, you, you're trying to blow the gap, and this guy is just catching you and just watching you rather than you stepping and striking him. Right. So exactly. that was something we had to clean up as well for them to understand. You have to step and strike and hold point rather than trying to shoot up field and try to you know make you know make plays in the backfield. You know they were just closing the door and watching us down. So it was great get off and great hands and great pad levels. And being able to recognize and feel that block, um, that has really helped us, you know, fix those those, those down blocks over the two years I've been there. So when they, when your guys are playing in a four eye, they're 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 attacking the inside shoulder of that tackle. Are they then are their eyes on the guard or their eyes? You have their eyes uh, on their hands, you know, on that tackle. Their their work is going to be the inside shoulder of that tackle. They're right. keying the tackle. Right. Okay. Um, yeah, they're keying him. Um, so you know, he steps down for a, a down block. I should be able to step and you know. Put him. I call it. Put it back where he came from. You know, yeah. let's anchor him back yeah. out. Yep. Figure out what the ball is. You know, if it's if he's arcing out, I want to be able. If he arc release out the outside for an outside back or an outside guy, I want to one two get hands on him and get my eyes inside and figure it out and you know, see what I'm getting. Um, so, um, and certain certain teams that we play that that do a lot of pulling on the guard and you know try to try to scoop you like if they pull in the guard, they try to cut you off with the tackle. Right. Sometimes I'll play a four eye and we'll key that guard. Yeah. Even though I'm playing a four, but my eyes on the outside side of that guard. So if that guard pulls, you know, depending on who we're playing and what they're doing, I might say, hey, read the guard. So that guard pulls, you need to be with them. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it, it varies week to week just based on what we're getting. 
let's talk about some of those offenses that you guys are seeing because being in that district, you're seeing a lot of different types of offenses. Uh, I believe, I, I think Cy Woods is, is still uh, running that flex bone offense. You obviously got wide open spread. Yeah, and, yes, sir. Yeah. And so, you, you <laughs> yes, know, it's just, uh, you just run the gamut of different offenses. So, how are you guys handling or in combating those different personnel groups and things that you're seeing, uh, not only week to week, but also just throughout the course of a game? Um, well, we try to stay multiple in what we do. We try not to tie down to, to one thing. Um, I think in today's football, you have to be able to evolve defensively, you know, just with, you know, all the different offenses that you're getting. So, you know, we, we try to be, we try to remain multiple out of the three, four, um, to be able to handle, you know, all the spread stuff, you know, whether it's two by two, whether it's three by one is being able to, you know, rotate our safeties, and, um, things of that nature, um, and then, you know, if we get a team like this, it's like, you know, with Cy Woods, and they're running that that, that triple option, they're running flex bone, um, you know, then you, we probably want to be a little bit more beefier. You know, we probably want to have, you know, more of a traditional 3-4 and, 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 you know, less of a nickel package in there to be able to stop the run. Um, so the the 3-4 allows us to be able to handle the different personnel that we get. It also handles – it also gives us a way to be able – to adjust our personnel um, to who we want in the game based on what the offense is doing. Um, you know, and that's D-line-wise, that's, that's linebacker-wise, that's secondary-wise. You know, just you know, being able to adjust and try to keep our same people uh, on the field in certain situations. Um, so as far as that, you know, the, uh, the flex bone and the triple option, man, that, that's something that I, I have never – I've seen on TV, you know, of course, yeah. you know, when you watch Navy and you watch, you know, you know, watch those guys, I've seen it on TV and Georgia Tech and all those guys. But I actually coached against it. Um, it was different. My, 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 you know, my first year um, at Brisbane was my first year seeing it as a coach. And, um, you know, I tell you, it was something different that I, that I had to really adjust to and uh, get my kids ready to, 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 to defend. Yeah, no doubt. And, and especially, uh, you know, if you, if you have young kids who are, uh, you know, don't have a whole lot of, uh, you know, a lot of haven't logged a lot of miles of varsity football. You know, coming now you now you got you know midline and and veer and all those things uh, that you're having to coach those guys up on, and that's a difficult thing. Uh, and we we run the the flex bone here. Our, our offense does, and and in the spring and and uh, I'm sorry, in fall camp, it's it's uh, it's it's not fun defending it uh, for sure, and that's definitely something that that just as a defensive line coach that, that can really cause you fits because, uh, you know, one thing, you know, you have one kid get upfield a little bit too much or someone not, not, not play their responsibility, then they're going to seem one and take it to the house. So uh, that's definitely a, a, a challenge for sure. So I want to talk about this. Uh, you know, when you guys are, are breaking down opponents, just talk to us about that process and what goes into that and, and what, you know, what you're looking at and, and things like that when you're breaking down an offense each week. Oh, absolutely, Coach. You know, as a D-line guy, you know, I, I kind of, um, myself and the defensive coordinator, we, we, we kind of sit down and, and talk about, first of all, what are they doing in the run game? You know, what, what kind of run? Are, is it, you know, is it power read-based team? Is it is it split zone? Is it H-counter? Is it, you know, zone read? We want to know what are their favorite run plays, what are they trying to do? And, you know, as a defensive line coach, uh, one thing I like to do is, you know, for the, as far as the, the team and schematic, I want to know, you know, where they're running the football. You know, where where they're where they're their premier offensive linemen. You know, every team has a side that they like to vary, unless they have, you know, dogs on both sides of the, you know, both sides of the offensive line. But, um, you know, most teams kind of lean on, you know, one or two guys as far as you know where they want to, 
uh, run the ball, you know, even if they flipping those guys from side to side, you know, so those are things that I kind of look at. I, I kind of look at, you know, where, where the, you know, the premier guys that, that they want to run the ball at, um, you know, it's favorite, their favorite run plays, like what plays where they're more efficient on, you know, what plays where they get, you know, seven to six to seven yards or more on, you know, how many times do they run those plays? Um, I like to look, you know, if somebody wants to run funny formations, is it, is it tackle over, is it unbalanced? You know, um, if it's if it's the extra tackles in the game, who's in, who's coming out, you know, those things matter because, you know, a lot of people when they have certain packages, most of the time they have certain plays off those packages. So, yeah. you know, I want to be able to, you know, help recognize those things. I mean, we get good help from the box too. You know, uh, our guys in the box do a good job letting us know who's on the field, who's coming off the field, and that enables us to be able to, you know, indicate to our guys, hey, this is tackles over, this is tackles over, um, you know, be looking for this, you know, or, or whatever formation, you know, that we may have. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, and then it goes into, hey, you know, what run plays by, by you know, the formations, if it's one back, you know, where's the back alignment? If the back set deep, if the back set even, if the back set, you know, slightly in front, um, because all those things mean different uh, different run plays. You know, two back uh, running plays, you know, they like to run the ball with an H in the game. Um, is it tra- traditional tight end with two backs? So we try to break it down to its, you know, to its uh, furthest detail um, by formation, um, by favorite run play, by by efficiency. That way, we can be better prepared and better prepare our kids. When you're looking at those things, and you talked about plays and formations, are you guys more concerned about, you know, the formations? Or the plays. I mean, like, what what are you more concerned with about you know getting your kids to understand and and to be able to to defend formations or plays? I think it's more so understanding the formations and also understanding where we how we line up. Yeah. You know, because yeah. with so many check with me offenses these days, a lot of teams like, for instance, you know, Woods does it too. You know, out of their out of their beer and out of their triple option, they run a check with me. They'll you know motion at their first guy and they'll bring them back and they'll look to the you know look look to the sideline and get the call. And if we're outflanked on one side, they they they've exposed it, yeah. you know. And if so many offenses that do it, they do a check with me. So the first thing we want to make sure we're lined up to make yeah. sure we're balanced on both sides and make sure we're ready to go. Um, and from from there, if you recognize the formation, if we're lined up properly, and we understand what run plays we are expecting out of this formation, it enables us to be able to understand where we fit. You know, if I'm a spill guy and they run and counter and I come and I spill at H, I got to make sure my capper understands, okay, my outside guy is going to go ahead and spill that. I have to be able to come cap it over the top or what have you. Yeah, um, I, yeah I, I definitely agree with that, Coach. And I, and I think sometimes, you know, we, we can get enamored with, with plays, you know, and, 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 you know, see all these things and, and try to stop all these things. But I think, you know, if we don't have a plan for each formation and how we're going to handle that and how is our personnel going to change when they when they have this, when they're in this personnel. And, you know, if your kids can't get lined up, then then you're not then, then they're just you're not going to be in a position to stop any kind of play. So I think that's I definitely agree with that. Yeah, you, you have to be able to get lined up. If you can get lined up, you know, you've done half the battle. Right. You right. know, from you get lined up, not the kids just have to play football from there. But, you know, being able to recognize, hey, how you want to close your front, how you want, you know, what's the passion, strength, all those things matter pre-snap. And, uh, you know, if your kids can handle that, you know, that's half the battle. You know, right. the ball snaps and everything else just has to take care of take care of itself yeah no doubt no doubt so I want a couple of questions here about offensive line stuff specifically you know when you're watching 
uh, film on an offensive line, you know, we're always looking for like tendencies or tells or things that we can uh, pull from that offensive line to, to, to kind of get a clue as to what they might be doing. What are some things you're looking at when you're watching that offensive line? Um, I look at a lot of pre-snap stuff, and actually this is something that I, that I look at with my kids. Um, you know, if they're a heavy guard pull, um, I, I always – and this, this starts at practice, you know, and I, I, I've gotten my guys into the habit of being able to call out, you know, our own offensive line when they're pulling because some the, the great ones are really good at getting their stands. They're not pointing. They're not leaning. They're not – they're straight ahead. And when that ball stands, they, they take off the other side of the ball. But um, in high school, you run across a lot of guys who do give it away. You know, if their butt is halfway in the backfield, chances are he's probably going to pull, you know, if he's leaning to that side. So those are things that I look at. Um, I look at, you know, pass rush stuff. If a, if a guy is, you know, a tackle is sitting in there in that two-point stand, you know, I look at fingers. You know, we played a guy um, last year who would, you know, wiggle his fingers that he'll make a fist and like 1,001, 1,002, the ball was out. Yeah. And he yeah. was consistent with that, you know, over the, over the course of time that we, that, that we watched that film. Um, he was sitting there two point stands, and you know he got his hands wiggling his, his, his outside hand when they made the fist. Thousand one thousand balls out. So those are the kind of things I talked to with my guys. Hey, if it's third and eight, you're going up against this guy. Watch that. Of course, you want to keep the ball, keep his outside kneecap for when he you know moves. But you know, look at that hand. When that hand stops and he makes a fist, thousand one thousand two, take a chance, go get it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it worked. Uh, one of our guys was able to get a sack in that game, and. Um, I, I just try to look at anything that can get that I can point out, not just for myself because I'm not the one playing the game anymore. It's for my kids. So I try to point out something that they can look at as well. That way they can hold each other accountable. Hey, this guy's pulling. And those are, that's how you get in the habit of communication and you start talking to the rest of the defense. Um, so I, I look at things like that. I, I look at the, you know, uh, the most vulnerable offensive lineman as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, the one that may not be as talented or may not be as good. You know, we kind of do some things in our in our pressure packages, you know, towards those guys. Some, you know, sometimes. So, I I just try to find any advantage that I can, any tendency, any giveaway um, that offense doesn't want us to know. I try to look at it um, and, and and try to have my guys ready for it. Yeah, and I think that those are things also that you can get your kid, you can train your kids to look for also because. You know, we have so many things that we're looking at throughout the course of a week, uh, and we watch so much film that that when you give your kids a job like that, like, hey, man, I want you to go home and you know, you watch just you know, if you're if you're the the left side defensive end, you know, on our left side, you're watching that right tackle or that right guard, or you know, you're trying to find those. You just watch those guys because a lot of times those kids will see things that we don't necessarily see because we're kind of watching more big picture stuff. And so that's something that, you know, you can teach your kids to, to look for. And then that gives them ownership when they when they come to you and say, Coach, 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 we got something. You know, and sometimes it, it, it you know, it plays out and sometimes it doesn't. But at least you're training those kids to look for those things. Yeah, absolutely, Coach. It, it even pays dividends in the games. You know, if you, if you go into a game thinking, hey, they're going to block, you know, something a certain way. Um, and then, you know, hey, they don't quite block it that way. They, they change up how they're blocking it. And you know, and they, and they and they crease you, and then you come to the sideline as a staff and draw it up, trying to figure out, hey, where's the ball crease? How do they yeah. block it? And the guy though, no, because I thought he was gonna come here, but this is how they blocked it, and it enables us as coaches to understand their adjustment, so we can make an adjustment as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, because you know, the kids, there's only so much we can see from the sideline, and so much we can see from the press box. So having kids that you know that just have looked at film throughout the course of the week and understand how things are have been blocked previously, they come and change it. Being able to have some kids that 
have studied film to be able to come tell us pays dividends for us as well. Absolutely. So when you're watching film on an offensive line, you know, what are some things that those guys do that, that would make that, that would concern you as a defensive line coach? I'll tell you what, Coach, the first time, so this is my first year um, last year um, in the district. We're playing Tom Ball Memorial. Tom Ball Memorial was, you know, they were good this past season, but last year, you know, they they were good. And um, I'll tell you one thing that they did, Coach, that I had never really – I think I've seen it once or twice on TV, but I've never played against it. They had a extended split of the tackle. So you had center, you had guard, and you had the tackle flexed out for like two yards. Uh-huh. And we had a four-eye there, you know, and so – um, and what they 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 ran two things at them. They arced them number one, so that overexpanded the B gap. Yep. Okay. So you know, so imagine a four eye. You're already two yards, you know, yeah. outside than you know than, than you normally would be. And then this guy wants to arc release. So by rule, I want a one two. Get my hands on him and look inside. And they were just running. They was just running power, power, yeah. power, yeah. because. He took those one two with that tackle, and by the time he got his hands inside, eyes inside, that backside guard was already coming on an already extended gap. Yeah, yeah. And so, they, and so, um, it's something that we had to make an adjustment to. Um, it was something that I had never seen before, and they even did it to our five technique. They went, you know, center guard extended tackle with the five outside. Wow. So that overextended us, and so yeah. what we did when they tried to run you know, uh, powered him, we just started taking that inside gap and we just started spilling the first thing that we saw rather than having us already outside. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they got down blocks and we're already two yards already outside. So we just said, no, we're going to take that inside gap and we're going to blow up the first thing we see. Yeah. And yeah. so those were different adjustments that we had to make throughout the game that I had never, I never played against anything like that. And I had never, sure as heck, never coasted against anything like that until Tom Ball Memorial. And, um, was you know, and you know this coach, you know, you know guys from Woods, you know, Woods, since they run that triple option, they back those offensive linemen up two yards off the ball. Right. You know, and, you know, you got those guys in defensive line stances and they come out the ball full speed. And so that was, that was a concern for me was like, you know, how do my guys, how are we going to handle double teams? Because these guys already got like a two yard head, yes. head start. How are we going to, yeah. you know, it, it, it's just something else for you to have to prepare your kids for. Um, you know, defeating top blocks because you got obviously led from that part. So, um, those two things, man, those overextended splits and those offensive linemen backed up in that triple in that triple option like Cy Woods was probably the most concerning thing that I've had to defend as a D line coach. Yeah, anytime that you know, that offensive line and I'm and I maybe I shouldn't say this because you know these guys offensive line guys listening are going to write this down, but you know when they're messing with splits and they and they try to they 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 try to widen you out. Uh, that's always a difficult thing to know how to how to defend that, and, and I mean it's it's you, it's it's possible. It's just something you have to think about. Like you said, you have to prepare for, and especially when you run into those flex bone offenses that are backing their guys up, and now you know they have room to to to, to fire off and and and, and you know uh, whether it be to cut block you or just to, to keep their pad level down and to really make it difficult for you to get underneath and get leverage on those guys. Those are all difficult things for sure. Uh, and, and and make for uh, a really stressful week for us D line coaches. Yeah, absolutely, man. And especially in that triple ball in that triple option. You know, you got to back out the ball, and you know they, you know one one, you know one minute that they're trying to wear out your four eye, they're trying to mash, and the next minute they come out the ball and don't even touch them because you know they're reading. You yeah, know, it's a dive, yeah. and right up there is the dive, it's the quarterback. So it's a lot to prepare for as far as having the D line understand 
how to play blocks and defend yourself as well as what you're responsible for in this triple option. Yeah. It, it kind of gives you a double, a double whammy or a double responsibility as to, a lot to think about. I, how are you guys using film to coach up your guys? I mean, are you, are you, I'm being at a, at a six, a school, I'm sure you have a lot of time or, or maybe more time to watch uh, film together with your guys, but are you also sending them cut-ups throughout the week? Are you are you guys watching mostly practice film of yourselves? Are you watching scout film? How, how are you using film to coach your guys up? Oh, uh, man, film is, uh, again, we, we want our kids to be prepared and, you know, not only understand, you know, what we're doing, you know, schematically, we want them to understand what the offense is trying to do to us. So I know I, I can give you, a, a, a as far as the defensive line, what we do in the course of a week is we have certain days, we watch certain, certain, certain things. So we'll come in and and of course, you know, we met on a Sunday um, as a staff, and then we'll come in Monday, you know, morning. I have my guys come in, and, you know, we'll, we'll look at, you know, first down run plays, um, you know, and if we have enough time, we try to look at those those, those, those second down run plays. And, you know, um, we try to cover the more efficient, um, the more times they run a play per down, per formation. You know, uh, balls on the hash, things of that nature. We try to cover those things in one day, and we also try to script that in practice. So, if we're going over first down plays and film that morning, that Monday morning, like we're going to try to script all first down running plays. That way, the right. kids have seen it on film, they understand. Hey, this when the back is set over here, we're expecting this. You know, when the H is, is motions across, we're expecting this, and then we'll just progress that throughout the entire week. You know, and. Um, and I take it a step forward, further with the D line. You know, you know, being a guy who's really, you know, has to involved in the run game with the D line coach. You know, I, I get on huddle and you know I make those run cards. You know, and I make scout reports for the kids. Um, you know, I draw up all those run cards and hey, these are their favorite run plays versus our defense. Then I add a clip to it. That way, the kids can see it on paper and they can see an actual clip of hey, this is what you're about to get on Saturday night or Friday night. Yeah, yeah. Um, I take those run plays, those cards, I, I print them out. I, I keep them with me at practice. So if I have some dead time at practice or, you know, if I have Indy and we want to work block rec, hey, this is what we're going to get when we get Tyree Reed on the four outside. So we'll walk through those blocking schemes. Um, you know, the kids get cut-ups. Um, and our kids are pretty good at, at uh, defensive line-wise watching film and being able to come in, you know, when we have a film session and being able to have input about things that they saw. So, you know, that's a good thing for me as a coach, having some kids, especially now, like, you know, I first started my kids with sophomores, and now they're going to be seniors. So they've grown and taken the ownership of being able to watch them. Um, pre-game meal, when we go uh, have our pre-game meal for the game, they everybody has their huddle on on their phones. And, yeah. Um, so um, it's a good way uh, for us to be prepared, not only for what we want to do, for you know, what the offense wants to do as well. Yeah, and I think that is you're right, Coach. And and uh, I know for me, coming through when I, you know I was playing high school ball, you know, first of all, it was a lot harder to watch film on your own, right? Like you had to get a. Um, I, I don't even know if they had it on DVDs yet uh, that they could pass out when 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 I was in high school, uh, and I'm, I'm not that old, uh, but but even in and I know in college, you know, it was kind of a, a kind of a hassle to get you know get your coach to to burn you a a DVD of that week's opponent or whatever and. And then you know it was really hard to kind of just navigate through that, and 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 as far as sending sending players cut ups and things like that, that was really really difficult. And so that's that what that's that's what makes it so awesome nowadays is you know 
being able to take advantage of the technology that we have and, and send kids a quick cut up, hey, check yourself out here. Uh, you know, you can put notes there. And, and I think that, that um, you know, that's, that's such an invaluable resource that we have to be taking advantage of with our kids. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and, and you make it to the point where, you know, you consistent with it. Like, the kids look forward to it. Yeah. Like, you know, the kids know that we meet on Sundays as a staff. And if that's guy reporting, not uploaded by, like, you know, <laughs> yeah. night, you know, they, they, they text me, like, Coach, did you upload this guy report? And, yeah. Yep. You know, that way when they come to, to, to film Monday morning or, you know, we watch a film during the period or whatever we're doing, they're ready to go. They have yeah. the scan report. They're ready to ask questions. They're ready to talk about blocking, you know, the, the blocking schemes that we're going to see. And um, it, it just makes it, it makes it that much more rewarding because you see the kids taking the ownership, which which makes your coaching a whole lot easier because you got kids that, that want to be, you know, coaches on the field as well. Exactly, exactly. Well, Coach, as we wrap this thing up, I, I want to give you a chance to uh, to do what we what we usually do when we close out episodes or what we've, we've done the last several weeks, and that is just give you a chance to shout out some coaches uh, that, that you've come across in your, in your time uh, as a coach that, that you feel like do a great job coaching up their kids but don't always get the, the spotlight or the credit that maybe they should. So uh, just give you the floor here for a couple minutes and, and let you shout out those coaches. Well, Coach, you know, Coming from HISD, um, you know the the, the inner city. Um, it's, it's it's night and day difference in regards to you know the resources and the things that the kids get. But you know all those coaches, you know that coach in the inner city do a great job because you know that they, they get so little and they're expected to do so much, and so many of them have to achieve with very little. You know we're talking sometimes some schools having twenty seven to twenty eight kids to fill up a varsity, but somehow those kids figure out a way to win six and seven games and claw the, you know, claw their ways in the playoffs. So um, I talked about Coach Cornell Gray over at Fort High School um, early in the podcast. You know, he was a head coach that, that gave me my first job. But he's been more than just a head coach to me. He's been more of a mentor uh, to help me walk through his coaching game. Um, he's helped me through, through, through some personal things in my life when I first became a, a father. And he gave me some words of advice. And, you know, he's a guy, like I said, he went to Fur. Um, and he came back and became the head football coach at 26 years old, and to see what he's been able to do uh, with, with the little that you know uh, I experienced getting over there when I coached there, and the way it still is now, um, it, it just speaks volumes to uh, his work ethic. Um, it speaks volumes to his knowledge of the game, and it speaks volumes to the you know to, to the love that he has for the kids. And uh, you know, I, it, it's so many coaches that that that, that coach um, for the wrong reasons. But that's definitely a coach that I know for sure that coaches for the right reasons, and it's all about the kids and not helping them, not only helping them become better football players, but um, helping them become better young men as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, uh, Coach, I, I want to uh, we're, we're going to close out today's conversation with uh, something that, that I'm calling rapid fire. And I'm going to shoot a couple okay. words at you, and you're just going to answer, you know, and pick one of those words, the first one that pops in your head, really not a whole lot of thinking. But I'm going to throw some words at you. And I got some, because you're a Houston guy, I got at the end, I got some, I got a Houston question for you that I know you're going to have an opinion on. So uh, here we go, fast and furious, and then we'll talk about a few of these maybe when we get done. But here's the first one. Head up or shade nose? Shade. Pre-game routine for you, music or no music? Gotta have some music. Uh, on Saturdays, Sundays, whenever we get time to watch football, are you are you are, do you prefer NFL or college football? Uh, I'm gonna go with college ball. Okay. 
I don't know if you where you've been in your coaching career, but what would you prefer, press box or sideline? Sideline. Got to be where the action is. Turf or grass? I'm grass. I'm old school. Three down front or four down front? Uh, four down. Day game or night game? Night game. Spill or box? Spill. Third and short. Okay, third and short right here. Uh, critical t- critical situation in the game. Third and short. Pressure or no pressure? Pressure. All right, and now this is the last one here. This is this is the key question here. Again, you being a Houston guy, I'm going to throw two Houston rappers at you, and you tell me which one uh, you, you, you would prefer, okay? So we got Mike Jones or Scarface? Scarface. Okay. All right. So, hey, and I got to ask, is that you said you got to have some music pregame. Is Scarface, is, is there some a heavy dose of Scarface and other Houston rappers on your pregame playlist? Oh, on my pregame list, I, I have a little Scarface. I have a, uh, some Scarface. I have a, uh, some some of the new age rappers these days. Yeah. Too. Um, I have a little, I have a little Jeezy on it. I, I have a little. Um, Little Wayne on it. I have a it's a mixture of things yeah. that I have, um, but definitely have Scarface at the top of the playlist. Do, do you Absolutely. have to kind of do you have to kind of enlighten the kids, you know, over there, uh, and you know when you when you're at Fur also like kind of kind of you know educate them on some of that local rap stuff, or do they all they they all get it pretty good. Oh man, I have to educate them on local rap and 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 just rap in general because they they think that their generation is you know guys get the hip hop so yeah you know we we joke and we laugh because you know they they listen to what I you know they hear what I'm listening to and you know they they think it's old and lame and you know but sometimes you got to educate them hey man these are the pioneers the guys that you guys you know they they borrowed and and worked with some of these old school guys so, yeah yeah um, it's always fun and games to hear the kids' opinion on rap music and. Uh, you know, and I always, I always get a kick out of them listening to my playlist as well. For sure, for sure. Well, Coach, great stuff today. Thank you so much for coming on and really appreciate it. And I just want to wish you and the Bridge and Bears the best of luck in the uh, 2020 season. Oh, Coach, I appreciate it. I, I'm extremely grateful. I appreciate you having me on, Coach. And thank you. Um, you guys be safe and be healthy. Thanks once again to Coach Valmore for coming on today. Be sure to follow him on Twitter at Matt Valmore 90. You can also find Coach's other content information in the show notes of today's episode. Coaches, if you're looking for ways to improve as D-line coaches, there's literally no better time to do so than right now. I mean, there are Zoom clinics popping up everywhere with some great coaches out there. Uh, guys have extra time on their hands, so take advantage and hit those guys up and pick their brains. And if you would like to speak with Coach Valmore or really any other coach who has appeared on our podcast, you can DM our show on Twitter at KYPDpodcast or email us at KYPDpodcast at gmail.com. Our quote of the day is this. Don't limit your challenges, challenge your limits. And that will do it for this episode of Keep Your Pads Down. Now, next week's episode will be another great show that I can't wait for you to hear. Next week's episode, number 59, we'll be talking with a former Division I head coach who's also been a coordinator and a position coach in the Big 12, amongst many other places. And I promise you, you won't want to miss our conversations. So subscribe now and check back in with us next week for episode number 59. Until then... Have a great week. Stay positive. Keep those spirits up. But most importantly, keep your fans down.